Well, I'm sure I don't do this often enough, but I want to pause before we get into the message to just give a big thank you uh, to a lot of people that you can't see each and every week, but without them doing what they do, you wouldn't have the services every week. So there's a lot of players that come involved, and so you can't see them right now. I can see them, and that's uh, people sitting behind uh, lighting boards and sound boards. I'm looking in the room right now, James and Robbie and Max, and I know that uh, Peter is around here, and a lot of people who are doing a lot of things to be able to bring this service to you. And I want to just say a big shout out, a big thank you to them. And to you, I want to say welcome back. Part three of our message series, More Than a Story, Real Miracles in Lives of Real People and the relevancy of those miracles for you and I today. So it's not just us looking at an inspirational real event, but it's like, how do we take that event and how do we really bring it to real life for us today and what we're walking through, what we experience, what we encounter in our lives. If you've not been a part of the the two previous messages, you can watch that on demand and bring you fully up to speed. But you don't have to go back and do that before you watch today because this miracle in Luke chapter 5 is going to stand on its own and it's an amazing miracle and it actually involves a fishing story now how many of you like fishing stories I do I love to fish I don't do it a whole lot but I love to fish I love fishing stories and uh, you probably if you're especially if you're a guy you love fishing stories and you probably have one of your own I've got a couple, but I'm not going to share my fishing stories. I thought that you would enjoy a couple that I found and brought with me today. So I'll share a couple with you. All right, here's fishing story number one. A woman is walking on a beach in Texas carrying two big redfish in a bucket. A game warden walks up and asks to see her fishing license. I don't have a fishing license, says the woman. Well, you know it's illegal to fish without a license, right? Asked the warden. I wasn't fishing, officer. These redfish are my pets. Your pets? Yes, officer. They like a little exercise, so when the weather's nice, I take them down to the water and let them swim around. Once they're done, I give them a whistle, and they jump right back into this bucket, and we head home. The officer isn't buying a word of it, so the woman says, Don't believe me? Watch then. And she throws the fish into the water. The warden waits for a minute or so and then says, all right, now whistle to your fish and make them jump out of the water. The woman turns to the officer and says, what fish? Well, I can't hear you uh, laugh or see you smile, but I hope you enjoy. What fish? Uh, You know, now she can't be held accountable. Here's another one. I love this one. Bob's walking down the street one day when he sees a kid sitting on his front porch fishing in a bucket on his front porch fishing in a bucket. As he reaches the kid, Bob stops for a better look. He looks in the bucket, and the bucket is completely empty. There's no fish in there. So he asks the kid, what are you fishing for, son? The kid looks up and says with a shrug, suckers mainly. Bob smiles. He's a bright guy and asks, caught any yet? Yep, the kids replied, you're the tenth. Well, that's, that's a pretty good one. I enjoyed that. And if I don't laugh out loud, I don't bother to share it with you. But uh, I've got a real fishing story to share with you. And the miracle that we're going to look at is actually this fishing story, this fishing miracle, if you will, is actually the second miracle of Jesus recorded in the Bible. So this occurs very early in his ministry. And I want to give you a little bit of background right here. So you've got uh, some brothers 
You've got um, Peter and Andrew, their brothers. You've got James and John and um, their brothers, and they have this fishing business, and I think that is probably a pretty good fishing business. I think it's a profitable fishing business. And this fishing, uh, fishing business is located in northern Israel, and it's actually near the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee is sometimes called the Lake of Galilee. Sometimes it's called the Sea of Tiberias. Sometimes it's called, as you'll see in the scriptures today, uh, the Lake, uh, lake Gennesaret. And so it's the same lake, but just often uh, called by different names. And so four of the 12 disciples, you're going to see this play out in the next couple of moments, four of Jesus' 12 disciples actually uh, are fishermen. Now, Jesus is not yet at this point in Luke chapter 5, which we're about to go. Jesus has not yet called any of his disciples. In fact, I don't think Jesus knew these guys very well at this point. Well, he knows them because he's the son of God. He's omniscient. But otherwise, they've not really hung out. And they know of Jesus because Jesus is growing. And as I mentioned to you recently, by this point in popularity, and people are following him in large crowds. And uh, he's not got into a lot of his miracles yet, but he's begun his public teaching ministry. So in this event, again, giving you some background, uh, it's these guys have fished all night long. Peter and Andrew, James and John, and these, they're not brothers of each other. Peter and Andrew are brothers. Just want to be clear of that. James and John are brothers. And so they've been fishing together uh, all night long, and it's been totally unsuccessful. They have caught absolutely nothing. They fished all night, and their, their nets are completely empty. And, um, you know, I was thinking about that when I was just going over this, again, reading, studying, preparing, researching, digging uh, to get ready for this talk today. And I thought, you know what? And, and I mentioned this a moment ago. I love to fish. I really do, unless I'm not catching any fish. And so they are frustrated. I'll get into that in just a moment. But they fished all night long, and they have absolutely nothing to show for it. Now, this is Luke chapter 5. The guys have already told me uh, pre-service. They're like, Pastor Jeff, you've got a lot of scriptures today, and I sure do. So uh, I want you to get ready. I want you to get them down. This is Luke 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and we know that could be the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Galilee, Sea of Tiberias. The people were crowding around him and listening to the Word of God. Jesus is actually teaching and about to teach. He saw at the water's edge two boats, all right, remember who's fishing, left there by the fishermen. And I've already told you who they were, who were washing their nets after this unsuccessful night of fishing. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, the apostle Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And he does that. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Now, this is interesting what is going on here. And before we proceed on, I want you to understand. I want you to resonate with a couple of things that are happening here. I, I want to pause and mention that, first of all, um, this is one of those occasions. Large crowds are following him. They've come down to the water's edge, and there's a lot of people. And there's not the sophistication of things like we have even right here, right now. You know, there's not loudspeakers, and there's not sound equipment, and there's none of that. I mean, it is, it is archaic in terms of a technical sense. So Jesus actually has to speak uh, to all these people. 
And so what he's going to do is he's going to use the amplification of water because voices and sounds carry better across, and I don't understand the science and dynamics of all of that, but it's, but it's a reality. So he's going to take advantage of that and use the water to amplify his voice. So that's going on in the story. Secondly, Jesus is about to call his first disciples. And again, he's not called any. He's just starting his public ministry, and he's about to call his very first disciples, four of them, and he is actually going to use a miracle that these guys can relate to because he's going to use a miracle that involves fish. I mentioned to you that they, they have fished all night long. It's, they're tired. They're exhausted. They are absolutely frustrated. They have nothing to show for it. They're cleaning their nets. They're going to go home and rest. A, a, a big night of unsuccessful fishing. Now, back to Luke 5. This is verses 4 and 5. I want you to see this right here. When he had finished speaking, so the teaching is over. So he's taught the people from the boat, used the water to amplify his voice. He said to Simon to Peter, put out into deep water. In other words, we're here on the shore, but let's move out into the deeper water. And when we do, let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered. You've got to appreciate this. I do. I know you do. Master, look at his language. We've worked hard. How long? You see it with me. All night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, we're going to have to come back in a few moments and talk about this, but I want your imagination to just run wild for a moment, and I want to ask you this question. Keep it in mind. These guys are tired. They're exhausted. They're frustrated. They're ready to go home. Once they clean their nets, uh, get everything put away, they're going to go home and rest. And now all of a sudden, Jesus concludes his teaching. The people are probably dispersing. And so he looks at Simon. He looks at the, who will become the apostle Peter. And he says, hey, let's move out into the deeper water. And when we do, why don't we let down the nets? Because we're going to have a great catch. And I can't help but wonder what must be uh, going through the mind of Simon Peter. What do you think he's thinking? He's probably thinking, well, listen, the fish, we've already discovered this. Andrew and James, John and I, and the people assisting us, we've already discovered last night that the fish are not where the fish are supposed to be. And if it's now daylight and the water's warmer, they've probably gone deeper. And if we were unsuccessful last night, this is going to be absolutely miserable. Is that what he's thinking? Quite possibly. Do you think maybe he's thinking, well, Jesus, you know, I appreciate you and I admire you. I, I respect you. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. You know wood. I know fish. Really, I mean, we've caught nothing the night before. Why would you even ask us to fish once again? And I want to just pause right here and ask you, do you ever feel, think about this now, do you ever feel in your life like you've given it your best and you've come up empty? Just like, you know, Peter and Andrew, James and John, you've given it your best. I don't think they slacked off. I don't think they changed what would be their normal protocol for night fishing. I don't think they've changed. They gave it their best just like they have on occasions when they've hauled in a great catch. They've given it their best, but they have nothing to show for it. 
And maybe that's rather descriptive of your life. Maybe you're like, you know, Jeff, I, rem- I remember. Maybe you're currently in a time like this where, you know, at my job, I was giving it my best. I worked hard. I had a great attitude. I've told my boys when they were growing up, I said, listen, here's the thing you need to do. Whenever you start your jobs, you're old enough to work. Work harder than anybody else. Have a better attitude than anybody else. You know, average is everywhere. You know, mediocrity, that's all over the place. But you work hard. You have a great attitude they'll come promotion and maybe that's what you've been doing and there was a job and then whatever reason that job was phased out or maybe you were working hard and and you just knew that you were being set up for a promotion and you were excited about a new position maybe some new perks new pay and you know what you worked hard but you came up empty maybe you feel that way right now in your marriage Some of you are listening right now and your marriage is not where you want it to be or where your spouse wants it to be. And and maybe you've, you've read some books and you've had conversation. Maybe you have sought out some marital counseling and, and you're giving it your best because you love each other and you want it to work. But yet, you know, there's not progress, at least at the speed that you want it. And maybe to this point, doesn't mean it's going to stay this way, but at this point you have not a lot to show for it. Things have not really improved yet. Or maybe you've done your best raising your kids and you, you know, you brought them to church and you prayed with them and you talked to them about Jesus and, and you did everything that you knew to do with a parent, as a parent, but right now, man, they're struggling and, and they're like gone off on a rail somewhere. Maybe they're like prodigals and, and you're like, you know what? We invested so much time and energy into them. But right now, it feels like we have nothing to show for it. Or, or maybe that's true in your grades. You're like, you know what? I've been studying really hard. I've tried to be a good student. And, you know, my grades are not where I want them to be. That test score, that last, last test score I took, that exam that I needed to take to be able to move further in my career. You know, I studied hard. I worked hard. But I don't have anything to show for it. Maybe you know what it's like to give it your best and to come up empty. Here's another thought that I want you to consider, and that is everybody is fishing for something. And today, I don't know what you're fishing for. Maybe you're fishing for significance. Maybe your life doesn't seem as though it has purpose and meaning. And you're like, what am I going to do with my life? It just seems like I'm spinning my wheels. It's just like I I have, you know, air that I'm breathing in and out of my lungs, but my life has no direction, no purpose, and I need significance in my life. Or maybe you feel like you're fishing for security, and you don't feel secure right now for a lot of different reasons, and you just need a sense of security in your life, and you're fishing for that. Or or maybe you're fishing for approval because maybe uh, you didn't have the kind of infusion of love and support that you really needed and wanted when you were growing up and you're still finding uh, today that you're fishing for approval or maybe you're fishing for a relationship because you feel empty and lonely and it seems though that you keep coming up empty and maybe you feel a lot like today that Peter and Andrew and James and John felt in those moments you gave it your best you're exhausted you're frustrated and you have nothing to show for it. Let's check out the next few verses. I'm going to take you back to Luke chapter 5. And uh, it says this. We'll pick up here again. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out, your, uh, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Look at this. I love this. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Look at this next portion right here. When they had done so, I love this. You've got to look at this. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. 
This is, this, you know, they fished all night. This is day after. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. They, both boats, began to sink. And again, we're going to come back and talk about this in just a little bit more detail in a moment. But I want to just say right here, right now, this is a miracle. Obviously, it's a miracle. These guys, tired, exhausted, frustrated. They're ready to wash the nets, put the nets away, put the boats away, go home and rest. Jesus has this outrageous idea. Hey, just go out into the deeper water, let down the nets. And you know what? In a miracle, think about this, they catch more fish in 10 minutes than they had caught in 10 hours the night before. This is a miracle. Their nets are no longer empty. Uh, They are at a place now where they have so much blessing that they must share it with other people. I want to ask you a question. Are you with me? Are you? I believe you are. What made the difference? What made the difference between empty nets and nets that are breaking? What made the difference? What made the difference between catching nothing and now having so much that you fill up not just your boat, but an additional boat to the point that both boats are so filled with fish that they begin to sink? And I'll tell you what the difference was. These disciples, Peter and Andrew, James and John, the first of the 12 disciples, the first four, they took several steps of faith. And because these are so relevant, and maybe you've read this uh, story, this miracle many times before, but I want to unpack it with you for just the next few moments. But it is so relevant to your life. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get your pen ready. I want you to get your tablet ready. I'm going to give you right now four steps of faith. And the corresponding verses, because this is going to, I believe, going to be meaningful to your life. For a lot of you right now, but for others of you, you get it down because you're going to need this. All right? Four steps of faith. Are you ready? You got your tablet ready? Your pen ready? Your phone ready? Whatever you're going to get some notes on. First of all, we need to give Jesus access into our life. I'll say it again. You're like, I know you're from Georgia, but sometimes you talk fast. We need to give Jesus total access to our life. How do we know this? Look at verse 3. I'm going to go back now and just sort of put this together. You've seen these verses, but I want to set them up with what we're talking about, these steps of faith. Jesus got into one of the boats, and that's the phrase that you need to pay most attention to. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Here's the phrase you've got to see. He got into one of the boats. He got into one of the boats, and that made all the difference in the world. This is actually where it all began. See, if you are looking, and some of you are, a lot of you are, if you are looking to move from empty to blessing, if you are looking to move from empty to overflow, here it is. Don't miss this now. You've got to get Jesus in your boat. If you want to go from, I've given it my best, and I just feel empty. I've been fishing and I have nothing to show for it. The difference between emptiness and blessing, emptiness and overflow, here it is, friends, you've got to get Jesus in your boat. Now, there's so many things around this miracle that are still the same. It's the same fishermen that are involved. It's the same boats. It's the same lane. It's the same experience these fishermen bring to the task. It is this very same nets that they had used the night before. What made the difference? The difference was Jesus got into the boat. And you're going to need Jesus in your boat. In your case, what does that mean? In your case, what is your boat? And pragmatically speaking, it's the way that you make your living. 
and you need Jesus in the boat. See, that's what Peter did. That's what Simon Peter did. His, his boat actually became a platform for Jesus' ministry. He got Jesus in the boat. He, he put Jesus into his livelihood. It's the way that we make our living. It's, it's your job. It's your career. It's your business. It's not just getting Jesus into your life, and all, although that's the most important. It's getting Jesus into your livelihood, into your business. And here's a question I have for you before we move on to the next step of faith. Have you dedicated your job? Have you dedicated your career? Have you dedicated your livelihood to Jesus? Have you? It's so important that you do. The apostle who would become the apostle Peter, Simon Peter in this case, says to Jesus, yeah, you can use my boat. Jesus used it as a platform for his ministry. He said, you know, essentially, I want, I want to give you, I want to make you a priority. I want to make you a priority. You need to use my boat? To amplify your voice, speak to all these people, get in my boat. You can just get front and center in the middle of my livelihood. It all comes down to making Jesus the priority of our life. Now, this is not Luke 5. This is Matthew 6, 33, but I want you to get it down. In fact, here's one that maybe you'll read out loud with me. But seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew 6, 33. Can I just say it plainly, and I don't have a lot of time before we need to keep this thing moving, but I do want to say plainly, whatever you need Jesus to bless in your, in your life, give him the first portion of it. If you want Jesus to bless your job, invite Jesus into your job. Invite Jesus into your boat. If you want Jesus to bless your day, give him the first part of your day. And you're like, I'm not a morning person. I'm especially not a morning person until I have my coffee. Even Jesus doesn't want to be around me until I have my coffee. But if you want Jesus to bless your day, bring Jesus into the first part of your day. Listen, if you want Jesus to bless your week, give him the first day of your week. Uh, follow us. We're doing online this service. Give Jesus. Say, hey, this is going to set the tone for my week. As we get ready to relaunch our South Campus, say, you know what? Uh-huh, I'm going to be in church that very first Sunday. I'm going to be there live and in person. If you want Jesus to bless your day, give him the first part of your day. If you want Jesus to bless your week, give him the first part of your week. If you want Jesus to bless your finances, give him the first part of your finances. As believers, we call that a tithe. Give to Jesus if you want Jesus blessed, whatever it is time or or your day your week your money whatever it is give jesus the first part of it and jesus will bless the rest so first of all this step of faith that they took they gave jesus total access into their life secondly are you ready for this one be sure you get it down admit that we do not have all the answers that's hard isn't it i don't know it's hard to say i don't know admit that we don't have all the answers now If you know me, a lot of you know me quite personally, you already know this about me. I do not like hanging out with know-it-alls. I just don't. I I just don't. I I don't like doing that. It's almost as fun to me as sharing a tent with 10,000 mosquitoes. That's what it feels like to me. Because I know you don't, I don't, nobody knows at all. And can you imagine how humbling this must have been for, for the Apostle Peter to just say, you know what, it's hard for me to admit because we're like professional fishermen and uh, we don't have all the answers. Look at these two verses right here. This is verses 4 and 5. 
When he had finished speaking, Jesus' teaching is now over. People have dispersed. He said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, and you saw this a moment ago, but look at this phrase here. We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. We don't know. We're fishing in the same lake. We're using the same boats, same time of evening. We're using the same nets. We've done everything, but we don't, we don't know. We've worked hard all night. We've given our best. We haven't caught a thing. Have you ever felt this way? As I mentioned a moment ago, you've given it your best, and your best was not good enough, and you've just at a place where you're just like, I did what I thought. I did what I knew to do. I did what I thought was best. But I don't understand what's going on. I don't know. The fish, in this case, should, you know, be located where we think they ought to be located, but they're not. And can you imagine, as a successful professional fisherman, what it must have felt like to say to Jesus, I don't have a clue. I want to just quickly mention under this second step of faith, and I'll mention it quickly so you're going to have to get it, get it down quickly, three obstacles to taking steps of faith. Because that's what we're talking about today, obviously out of Luke 5. Four steps of faith the disciples uh, made, and it made all the difference in the world. But here's three obstacles, and under this second step of faith is a good place to mention this. Uh, three obstacles to taking a step of faith, and the first one would be our pride. Our pride keeps us oftentimes from taking a step of faith we're like have you ever said or thought maybe you didn't say it out loud because you didn't want anybody to hear it but have you ever said or thought something like this i don't need any help i don't want any help i can do this all by myself i can do this and pride becomes a hindrance to you and i taking steps of faith here's another thing another thing that will keep us from taking steps of faith is not just pride but fear Fear says something like this, I'm afraid that it won't work. Why would I even attempt? Why would I even take the risk? Why would I even make myself vulnerable to taking a step of faith because I'm just so afraid that it won't work? Or how about this one? I'm afraid as to what people will think of me if it doesn't work. And that will become an impediment. It will become a hindrance to you and I taking a step of faith will. Pride will, fear will. Here's another one, stubbornness, stubbornness. I'm going to do it my way. I know it all. You know, I've got all the answers. And it causes us to become resistant to changes that we probably need to make. But either we're proud or we're fearful or we're stubborn. And so we walk to a certain point, but we don't take that step of faith for one of those three reasons. All right, let's move on. Here's the third step of faith. I want you to be sure you get this because this is really, really important. I need to obey Jesus. I'll put it this way. If you're writing notes, put it this way. I need to always obey Jesus, dot, 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 always, exclamation point. Just in case you didn't get it, I need to always obey Jesus, dot, 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 exclamation point, always. I need to always obey Jesus. But do you ever feel this way? I I really want to obey Jesus. But in order for me to obey Jesus in this one, it's not going to be easy. And sometimes obedience is not easy. Obedience is not always the easiest path. It's not always the path that is, you know, looks to be the most appealing. Have you ever felt that way? 
I want to obey, but I can't because it's not easy. How about this one? I want to obey, but I can't because it doesn't seem logical. It doesn't make sense. In order for me to take this kind of bold step of faith, I'm going to have to just set, which, you know, if you're analytical and logical, it's not easy to do, but I'm going to have to set that aside to follow Jesus in this step of faith. How about this one? Uh, I want to obey, but it's not convenient for me because let's just be real. It's not what I really want to do. I'd rather do it my way, and so it would be easier for me to not obey than to obey Jesus because it's not convenient. Don't you value the, the, the reaction of Simon Peter to Jesus' remarks? He said, Lord, we've worked hard all night. we fished all night. We have all these empty nets to show for it. There's not a fish anywhere around. But then he says these words, and you saw them a moment ago, but because you say so. Because you say so. Before we move on to the final one, can I ask you, what is Jesus asking you to do and you're not yet obeying him? What is Jesus asking you to do and you're not yet obeying him? Maybe he's asking you to forgive somebody. You're like, okay, that's one of the ones that's not easy because I can forgive this person, person A, person B, person C, but I can't forgive them. It's not easy to forgive them. But you need to forgive them. Well, it's not easy. Or, or maybe Jesus is asking you to share your faith, and you're like, you know what? Not me, not me. I'm not like a mature Christian. I don't know a lot about the Bible. I've not even been a follower of Jesus all that long. Not me. I don't have the confidence to share my faith. Share your story. Share your story. What were you like before you came to Jesus? How did you have, uh, you know, a relationship? How did you come? What kind of, you know, experience did you have when you prayed, invited Christ? What has your life been since? It's really not as difficult as we make it, and we get really anxious about it. And maybe Jesus is asking you to share your faith. Maybe he's asking you, you're a follower, and he's asked you to start tithing, but you've given him all the reasons why you're not going to tithe. And you're not so bold as to say it, but you're thinking, this is mine. Why would I give back to God something that is mine and I totally discount the fact that he's the one that gave it to you in the first place? Maybe he's asking you to take a risk. Maybe he's asking you to commit to some spiritual practices that maybe to this point in your life you've neglected or you've never stuck with. Why? Because he wants you to grow and he wants you to obey, not just for obedience sake, but so that you will grow. Maybe, maybe he's asking you to love somebody anyway. Well, they're not very loving to me. I'm not going to love them. You know, they're not very loving to me. But it may be, it's not convenient. It's probably not easy. It's probably not the thing you want to do first. But sometimes we have to love anyway. Let me just say it this way. Disobedience. Disobedience may disappoint Jesus, but the person that it really hurts is us. Let me say that again. Disobedience may disappoint Jesus, but the person it really hurts is us because disobedience causes us to miss out on a blessing that God has for us. And that leads me to the fourth and final step of faith. And I want you to hang with me. You still with me? Are you? Here we go. Are you ready for this fourth step of faith? Jesus always makes things better. Jesus always makes things better. When Jesus tells you when or where or how or what, do you really think that your nets are going to come up empty? There's not a chance that that's going to happen. Jesus always makes things better. Here's a verse here. It's not Luke 5, but I want you to see it. Um, 
Uh, go to Thessalonians, if you will, guys. I want you to check out that, that verse. Here we go. The one who called you is completely dependable. Look at that. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, say this with me. He'll do it. If he said it, say it a little louder. He will do it. Jesus will do it. Listen, if Jesus, let me just state it this way. If Jesus is able to even control nature, like you fish, remember what he said, go out into the deep, let down the nets for a great catch. If Jesus possesses the power to even control and order nature, where he says, hey, you fish into that net, don't you know, aren't you convinced that he's able to take care of you? If you're not convinced that he is able to take care of you, you should be, because he is. What do you need Jesus to do for you? Maybe you need him to give you a job. Maybe you need him to restore your joy because you don't have it right now. Maybe you need him to bring healing into your life. Maybe you need peace because your life is riddled by fear and anxiousness. Maybe you need forgiveness because you did something. You're like, I know I shouldn't have done that, but I did that. And I, I need his forgiveness. That's what I need most for Jesus. I need his forgiveness and the assurance that I am forgiven. I need financial help. I need guidance and direction in my life. I need encouragement. What do you need Jesus to do for you? He wants to do it. I want you to look now at, uh, this is Luke 5, verses 6 and 7. I want you to look at these two verses. When they had done so, what Jesus asked them to do, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Please hear me on this. Some of you... This is the part of this talk that you need to hear most. Jesus is not wanting to berate you or to blame you. What he actually wants to do is to bless you. You're like, oh, he's so against me. He's just looking for me to step out of line so he can smack me like a little bug. No, that's me. That may be what you think about Jesus, but that's not what Jesus thinks about you. He's not looking to berate you or to blame you. He's actually looking to bless you. Check out these next three verses. This is verses 8 through 10, and I'll hit them quickly. When Simon Peter saw this, what happened, this great catch? He fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. Why does he say that? Does he not want to be around Jesus? That's not it. Here's the reason. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Look at this next portion. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Remember now, Peter and Andrew, James and John, are not yet disciples, but they are about to become disciples. And so as we wrap this up, by now you know that this miracle in Luke 5 is about something much bigger than just catching fish. This became a turning point, a dramatic turning point in the lives of Peter and Andrew, James and John, because they were about to make a transition from fishermen to fishers of men, from fishermen to fishers of men. See, God is about to use these four ordinary, uneducated, blue-collar workers to change the world. The effects of that are still being affected today. And if God could use them, I've got good news for you. God is able to use you. Last two verses, and we'll pray. Verses 10 and 11. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So you got to see this part. They've had this uh, good fishing business, this prosperous, successful fish, fishing business. Up until this point, 
But what did they do? So they pulled their boats up on, up on shore. They left everything and they followed him. From this point in time, Peter and Andrew, James and John, they become followers of Jesus. They become his first four of 12 disciples. Can I ask you as we close, what are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with Jesus? These guys made their choices and they took four uh, obvious steps of faith. But what are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to invite him into your boat? Are you going to invite him into your career, into your job, into your livelihood? Are you going to make him first? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Maybe the thing that you need to do most with Jesus is invite him into your boat. To use your boat, your job, your livelihood as a platform for his ministry through you. Maybe what you need to do most with Jesus is simply obey him. You know there's something he's asking you to do. And for whatever reason, because it's not easy or because it's not convenient, maybe it's something that it's just difficult for you to do. Maybe what you're going to decide right here, right now, is as tough as it's going to be, I'm going to obey Jesus in this area of my life. What are you going to do with Jesus? Maybe for some of you, the thing that you need to do most with Jesus is to trust him to bless your life. Maybe you feel that he's against you, that he's looking for ways to trip you up, looking for ways to punish you. He's just waiting for an occasion. That's not Jesus. Jesus wants to bless you. Jesus wants to help you. Will you trust him to do that? For some of you, maybe the thing that you need to do most is follow Jesus. Say, you know what? I've done my life my way, but now here's what I need to do. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to become a Christian. I need to follow Jesus. And I hope you'll do that. You'll make that decision as we pray. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together with all of my friends that are watching. And I just pray that you would bless their lives. I pray that you would help them to invite you into their boat. I pray that even though it's not easy for any of us, sometimes we have to obey even when it's not easy to obey. And help us to trust you. Trust that you want to bless us. Not to berate us, not to blame us, but to bless us. And Father, for those that are watching right now that have never yet become a Christian, that today they would say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I will follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. I'll see you next week.